0: It's 2020, and in Black America, there are still those who believe that the price of acceptance in society is for Black folk to be exceptional. For some reason, there are still Black people who are obsessed with how well they defy negative images that attempt to define how we think, what we do, and who we are. These longstanding concerns about respectability have created a divide within Black America. There is what I refer to as we, the aspirational, the industrious, the thrift-minded, the moral. And then there's what I refer to as us, the lazy, malevolent, and willfully ignorant. ignorant. For some reason, some people depict these characteristics as unique to black people and only to black people. Messed up. With that said, this episode is titled, We Versus us. Thoughts on Chapter One of Tahanazi Coats We Were Eight Years in Power and American Tragedy. It is impossible to talk about Bill Cosby without talking about Bill Cosby. For me, Bill Cosby is not only a genius. But he's an American icon and he is a significant male influence and male role model. Significant chunks of my childhood have been affected by his work all the way back to the Cosby kids. Uptown Saturday night. The Cosby show. A different world. This is the man who helped invest in the Malcolm X movie for Spike Lee. This is the man who donated money to Spelman College and other college universities. This is the man whose works all bear some aspect of his name and the titles. This is a man who is is a tremendous presence. I look at this guy and I think about my Mount Rushmore of role models. And on my Mount Rushmore, there's my granddad, Joseph Lawson Jr., um, the World War II veteran, the man who provided for for six children, the man who taught me a great deal about what it means to be a man and own his responsibilities and to cherish his family and to to submit to his creator and to value life and the people within it and to always speak one's truth. Then there's Muhammad Ali, a man of great conviction, a man of fun and mirth. A man of immense talent, a man who up until the end maintained the presence of dignity even as his own body betrayed him. Then there's Malcolm X, a man who always sought the truth, always tried to understand, always tried to see that justice was done, always tried to force people to hold their heads up high a man who became a great humanitarian who rose above his own racism his own bigotry to see the universality of man so there's Malcolm um, and then there's Bill the man who valued culture and life and love and happiness and dignity i mean that these are these are my guys these are the guys who had like the most powerful influences on my personality and on my understanding of what it meant to be a black man what it means to be a a black man in America these are my dudes say what you want to about them that won't change the way I feel about them the way I think about them the love I have for them even with finding out that Bill for the thrill of the pill Cosby um, is most likely a creeper and a sociopath it doesn't take away from his contributions to black America and the black manhood. Um, You know, for anyone who is an opponent, who has, who's coming for Bill, I got to tell him this, you know, if you're coming for Bill, you know, let's, let's, let's open up a big box. And in that big box, I want you to start with Thomas Jefferson. And if you can't put Thomas Jefferson in that box, man, don't talk to me about Bill Cosby. You know, if you want to talk about the Declaration of Independence and the the importance of it to America, then I want to tell you about Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable and the importance of that as a black professional and role model husband and father to me wanting to be the same thing in this country. Right. We got to talk about that. So. I say all that. But then I got to say, Bill, what you did was foul. Like, I didn't appreciate Dr. Cosby coming to my city and bashing the hell out of my people, you know. And the people he was talking about were the people who are being crushed by the weight of their own ignorance, of their limitations, Of the obstacles that have been imposed upon them. They're they're being crushed by the weight of... Of... Being scapegoated. You know, being ostracized. Being stigmatized. um, Being despised. You know, these are the people... Who have the least. And are attacked the most. And so and attacking them, by extension he attacks us. And the reason that's a problem is because unlike Bill, there are those of us, people I know, who work every day, who volunteer, who mentor, who really want to affect change in our communities. And we don't have the luxury and the privilege afforded to Bill Cosby. Not to say he didn't work for it, because he did. But now that he has it, what's he doing with it? You know, it's one thing to air out the dirty laundry of black America, but not leave behind a washing machine. And that's what I felt he did. I believe he was way out of line for going from city to city and slapping the hell out of black America, you know. It's kind of like Oprah when she was on our show when she gave out cars she was like you get a car you get a car you get a car this cat went from city to city and he was like you're nothing and you're nothing and you're nothing and you're nothing and I didn't understand why when he was the man who has or had the network the resources the experience the competency to do more than just talk about us. He could have implemented solutions. Or helped implement solutions. Knowing he had the resources. And the network. To maintain those solutions. And help us maintain those solutions. He could have offered. A standardization of solutions. That would have allowed us. To stabilize our communities. For the better. And it's not as if he can say well. Well. I didn't think that deep into it Because at the time Of the article That Tahanazi Coates covered He didn't But after that He most certainly did There's a book that he wrote With Dr. Alvin Passant Called Come On People So in writing Come On People He could have easily wrote Let's go here As a second book Let's do this As a second book Here's the way out As a second book, it's one thing to talk about the problems, knowing that we have talked about the problems ad finitum. We talk about the problems in barbershops, beauty salons, churches, just over drinks, uh, after watching certain news segments, just in general, we know what the problems are. We may not know as in-depth as we need to, But guess what? There's books like Come On People that really go in depth. There's books by people like Juan Williams that further expound on the pathologies and and the dysfunction within black America. So if we don't know, we have access to really clarify what the issues are. There's a book called Losing the Race, Self-Sabotaging Black America by John McWhorter. I read that book. I respect the book. I have difficulties with certain aspects of the book. I feel like he's black shaming and, and engaging in a form of black elitism as well. But at least he takes the, the effort in, in that book and the subsequent books to continue to offer solutions. Even then, offering solutions without bringing in the resources is just like airing out dirty laundry without leaving behind a washing machine. You know, we could benefit from both and we could benefit more from the washing machine because at least then it allows us to clean our dirty laundry, right? And to shame other people into cleaning their dirty laundry than just saying, look, them drawers is dirty. So I think about that, and I also think about Bill Cosby, the man. Now, in reading Mark Whitaker's biography of Bill Cosby, again, because I'm a fan, I was surprised to learn that the man dropped out of high school and went to the navy. Finished the navy, went to college, Temple University, and dropped out again. And he spent a lot of time in comedy clubs perfecting his craft, honing his abilities to become, you know, a world-class comedian. And I'm thinking, how is that any different from the young men today? Who throw caution to the side and pursue their dream of becoming rappers and basketball players. You know, there's no shortage of that. And that's never, that's never changed. How is he so different? Other than the fact that he achieved something that one in a thousand, you know, something like that managed to do. That's something to think about. Are you thinking about that, Bill? You got a lot of time to think about that, Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, I am back. And if you're just tuning in, this is episode one of the eight part Crazy Eight podcast series brought to you by Book Report. Please be sure to leave your comments and a thumbs up if you like the content. Please share and recommend. Spread it like a rumor, but maybe not like mono. Support the author <laughs> and buy his book. It's out in paperback, makes for a great gift, especially for avid readers. It's also available as an audiobook. It's a very informative and well-researched work for non-readers who could stand to better understand the experience of black people in America. Short on cash right now? Check it out at your local public library, or borrow it from a friend or relative. Just not going to read it, no matter what I or anyone else says? That's cool. Then just keep listening to the podcast, front like you read the book. Just know that people who actually read the book will expose you if you go to talking about things you don't know anything about. Don't be stuck on or step on or stand on stupid. Anyway, let's get back to it. People not paying attention or people not familiar with black America would be surprised to know that there is a strong tradition of black conservatism in black America. Bill Cosby wasn't the first person to hold black people accountable. Nothing he said was even strange or foreign to black people. As the author pointed out, this goes back to historical figures like Booker T. Washington, W.E.B. Du Bois, Marcus Garvey, the Nation of Islam, For example, check out Malcolm X's ideas on conservatism, quote, but you will let anybody come in and take control of the economy of your community, control the housing, control the education, control the jobs, control the businesses, under the pretext that you want to integrate. No, you're out of your mind, end quote. See, that's what has me tripping. You'll never hear anything like that on Fox News. Now, isn't Fox News supposed to be a conservative network? You'll never hear any talk like that from the Republican Party. Isn't the Republican Party supposed to be aligned with conservative principles? Isn't the Republican Party supposed to champion free markets, freedom, independence, entrepreneurship, low, tax- low taxation? Like, it seems like when it comes to black people, they limit the meaning of republicanism. They limit the meaning of conservatism. You know, and what black people end up with are policies that are a reflection of their attitudes and ideals and beliefs and also a reflection of their hypocrisy. And I don't know if Bill Cosby realizes that he helped enable them to continue that double standard that exists within republicanism and within conservatism and for black people at least the black people I know the thinking is, is that we'll do it your way when your way works for us as well as it does for you there's a common denominator when you go from city to city in america and you look at the businesses that exist don't take my word for it just go into the inner cities just go into predominantly black populated areas and look at the businesses and look at who own the businesses look at the homes and who own the homes you know and i don't mean in total i just mean who owns the, the greater percentage of homes and businesses And then ask yourself, how can black people possibly practice or implement the ideas of personal responsibility if the means of personal responsibility is dependent upon a job or a business or a venture and they have very little ownership in those means? in those vehicles that's problematic so I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about the black conservatives people like uh, Candace Owens Larry Elders those are just two that stand out two fiery quote-unquote black conservatives who have the worst things to say about black America and the culture and the subcultures that exist within black America. They are the harshest critics of black America and black people. They are the biggest apologists for the prejudice that we experience, the discrimination that we experience, the downright degradation that we experience. And yet, they don't have an answer to the fact that our ownership and our rates of ownership are dismal. Thanks for tuning in, and if you're still rocking with me, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Crazy 8 Podcast Series, Episode 1, titled Us vs. Them. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please give me a thumbs up. If you're not, please give me a thumbs up. Leave your comments. Tell me what you like about it. Tell me what you don't like about it. Tell me what you're thinking. It's basically my job to read the chapter, give you my thoughts on Chapter 1 of Todd and "Coach We Were 8 Years in Power, and to see and hear what you think about it. And I would be thrilled to know your thoughts. I would be thrilled by the fact that you're just reading the book. I would be thrilled to know that people are out here just reading, period. How else are we going to learn? How else are we going to exercise our minds unless we pick up a book and actually read that joint, right? So I hope you're liking it. I have seven more episodes to do. If you like it, I'll be thrilled about doing those seven episodes. If you don't like it, I'll be thrilled about doing those seven episodes. I like to finish whatever it is I start. I've got some friends who say that they want to join me. I want them to join me. I think we'll have a great time. If not, it'll just be me and my pint glass and this podcasting software And we'll keep rocking with it. So uh, without further ado, let's get to this last segment. I am a lifelong fan of hip hop music. I've loved it from the moment I heard it. Whether it was the Sugar Hill Gang whether it was The Message, whether it was Planet Rock, whether it was Sucker MCs, whether it was The Fresh Fest, whether it was Curtis Blow, whether it was Ice Tea, whether it was LL Cool J, whether it was Too Short, NWA, you name it. I am a B-Boy. Nas, Jay-Z, Rock Him. Native Tongues Tribe Daylight, Death Row Pac, Big Wu-Tang I could go on and on and on Andre Three Stacks T.I. Scarface 8ball and MJG These Are the artists I grew up listening to Day in Day out But just like my criticism of Bill Cosby, I have to point that criticism at myself and I have to own the flaws, the errors and the dysfunction within hip hop music. I wanna start out by giving a heartfelt apology to women in general and black women in particular. Our music was misogynistic, it was rude, it was disrespectful, It was foul, and that is the stain on hip-hop music. Just as big a stain is the disrespect that we heaped on one another as black men. Almost as if it became a rite of passage for black boys to destroy other black boys For the sake of machismo, masculinity, being macho, and establishing ourselves as men. We dropped the ball there. And I can think of some of the greatest hip-hop groups ever to touch the mic and ever to be part of hip-hop groups like public enemy public enemy says some ask why we act the way we act without looking at how long they kept us back right powerful line but then chuck d also goes on to say the bitch got a problem because she thinks she's so sophisticated remember that song Chuck D said, every brother should be every brother's keeper, but you shot him with your left while your right was on your beeper. So when Bill Cosby criticizes black culture and talks about the impact of hip-hop music on black culture, He almost has a point. And the reason I say he almost has a point is because in narrowing his focus on that, he misses all of the wonderful things that exist within hip hop music. Now, hip hop music is not my first love. It's not the first music I've ever known. I grew up off Parliament. I grew up off Stevie Wonder. I grew up off Frankie Beverly and Mays. I grew up off my all time favorite group, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I was exposed to Jimi Hendrix. I was exposed to the Beatles. I was exposed to the Doors. I was exposed to John Lennon. I was exposed to Chicago i was exposed to jazz i was exposed to soul i was exposed to elvis i can tell you that after all of my exposure hip-hop music is the most descriptive poignant and meaningful music that i have ever come across it's the only music where i've heard men and women at their most vulnerable. It's the only music in which I've heard people actually talk about things that matter. Not to say that love, not to say that celebration, not to say that romance, not to say that just having downright fun doesn't matter. I'm saying that hip hop does all that and more. Everything from the Tootsie Roll to Dear Mama. For instance, I would ask Billy to tell me why Millie pulled a pistol on Santa. So for those of you who are listening to me and saying, what? What the hell is this dude talking about? I'm talking about De La Soul's song titled, Millie pulled a pistol on Santa, where they talk about a beloved community figure named Neil, who had a daughter that he was molesting and Neil dressed up as Santa to go and be this community hero and to, you know, associate with kids and his daughter to put a stop to that by shooting him to death. Find me a song outside of hip hop that talks that directly about that sort of pathology, about that sort of pain, about that sort of dysfunction. I can give you scores of songs like that. Tupac alone will tell you about his crack addicted mother. He will talk about people like Latasha Harlins, who we knew nothing about outside of California until we heard him talk about her. He will talk about our hopes, our dreams. He will talk about his personal failures, his ambitions right, his depression, and then he will go on to influence artists artists, artists like Eminem, right, Big, J. So when I listen to Bill Cosby's one-dimensional attack on hip-hop music, I'm thinking, wait a minute, find me one comedian of his time, that went on to become a financial mogul in the same vein of a Sean Combs or a Sean Carter or a Curtis Jackson or a Andre Young, right? I'm naming billionaires and near billionaires, people who have used the music to go on the market, sneakers, alcohol, clothing, movies, cable series, you name it. These enterprises have gone on to influence mainstream America. They've gone on to provide living wage jobs for blacks and Latinos and also non-blacks and Latinos people who don't even listen to the music or like the music for that matter. Hip-hop music has done more to bridge racial divides, has done more to spur conversations about misogyny, materialism, global conflicts, social dysfunction. Artists have done more to contribute to causes like Hurricane Katrina, 9-11, There's a lot behind hip-hop music that deserves its recognition, its reward, and its accolade. And this is coming from a guy who peddled Coca-Cola. Even as Coca-Cola had horrible hiring practices of minorities, of women. This is a guy that peddled pudding. This is a guy that peddled American Express. This is a guy that, if you didn't know better, would have questionable, would have motives that appear questionable. That's just something to think about. That's what I got out of the chapter. That's how the chapter impacted me. Read the chapter. Tell me what you thought about it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm off base. Maybe there's a lot I can learn. My ears are open. I want to hear what you have to say. That's my show. That's my time. Tune in for next episode. Episode 2 titled Shea Butter, An Ode to a Sister. We're going to talk about Michelle Obama. We're going to talk about black relationships. We're going to talk about what it means to be a black woman in America. So, with that said, I would love if... Some of my friends could join and lend their ear to lend their voice to the country, lend their voice to the conversation. Sorry. After the third beer, it kind of, you know, kind of gets choppy. Ride with me on that. Anyway, I hope you all had a great time. I did. I'm looking forward to the next seven episodes. Until then, you guys take care of yourself. Tune in, share it with your friends. Um, blow me up. So everybody's listening to me. Um, that's it, y'all. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to the Book Report Podcast. The views and opinions expressed in the Book Report Podcast series, The Crazy Eights, are in no way associated with the author or publisher. These views and opinions expressed are mine and mine alone. I simply read the books, share my opinions, and gather feedback from all of you. Thank you for listening and take care.